0: Pastor Xavier Reese explains God's economy doesn't depend on what's politically correct. The greatest need of the church
1: and in the church today is for people to understand that they're bondservants of Jesus Christ. His will is to be our will, His purposes are to be our purposes, His plans are to be ours, and His love is to be through our lives completely. There's no if or but about it. Now you have to make a decision whether you're going to walk with Him continually or not.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Because he himself was a Roman citizen, Paul had a unique passion for those in the Assembly of Believers in Rome. There wasn't common citizenship that he most identified with, but a common faith in the Gospel of Jesus that inspired Paul to reach out to the early church there. Pastor Xavier begins a series of studies on Paul's letters to the Romans with a message titled, A Servant Ambassador of the Gospel. Let's listen. Paul had
1: longed to go to Rome for years, but never was led by God, and now he thought the Lord was directing him. The Apostle Paul established the church in Galatia, remember, Macedonia, Asia, Achaia, And he was looking for unevangelized territory. Can you imagine at the end of the chapter of this book, 15, 18 to 23, he says he ran out of room to preach. (laughs) We haven't even covered all of Pasadena. We've been here, you know, 23 years. Shame on us. Shame on me. Now, Paul never spoke of anything that Christ didn't do through him. He didn't call people to obedience apart from Christ. And um, he had been obedient to his calling. He had preached in (laughs) Jerusalem, Lyricum. He had also made his aim to always preach the gospel where it wasn't preached, not where it was been preached. Too many Christians and churches do their fishing in other churches. Go into the world. Don't go fishing and go get goldfish. Go get jaws. It's important. Paul had been hindered much from coming, but again, now he was turning towards it. He expressed his purpose to go to Rome. But it was by way of Spain at the end of the uh, book also, chapter 15, verse 24. So his destiny was Spain, but it was via Rome. And he expressed his desire that he might get some help from them to get there. Spain is hard territory. I've been there three or four years. They call Spain the cemetery of missionaries. Now, you would think they would be pro-Catholic. They are not. They're anti-God, anti-religious they don't want to be dogmatic about anything. They want to party, not work. If you're a Spaniard, sorry. My ancestors were Spaniard. My grandparents died. Okay? Um, Paul the Apostle um, also told the Romans that he was delivering a financial gift at the end, chapter 15, verse 25 down to 32. The Macedonians had given some money to, for the poor saints at Jerusalem. They fell indebted. Now, the completion of that gift, as he was done, then he would go. Toward Spain through Rome. And the apostle requested prayer also there because um, he wanted the Jews to accept the gift graciously and also that he would be protected from those that didn't believe the gospel, the Judaizers, they were constantly persecuting him. So he prayed for protection. Now, Paul would arrive at Rome three years later, but it wouldn't be the way he thought. He would arrive there as a prisoner of Jesus Christ as he was held under house arrest as a scapegoat by Felix, Festus, and Agrippa in Acts 28 if you remember when we studied the book of Acts and so Paul was falsely accused of contaminating the temple with Gentiles and then he was made a scapegoat and um, as you know he arrived he was there in under his own higher house for two years, not being forbidden by anybody preaching the gospel. People differ whether he really made it to Spain or not. I think he did. I think there's all kinds of evidence that he was released from there and then went out and then he wrote his last will and testament in 2 Timothy to Timothy and he got the priest to Nero and he was beheaded. Uh, an incredible man. Now, Paul has been preaching for 22 to 23 years at this point and uh, he's a seasoned servant of God. Driven by the love and compassion for lost souls. This was his heart. Though he was a teacher, an incredible teacher, he always reached out to those that were lost. And that should be our passion also. It's amazing. People get a little puffed up. Maybe they've been in ministry five, ten years. Or maybe they've gone from a Bible study and they've gone to a small church or whatever it may be. And they think that's just hot stuff. Listen, after Paul three missionary journeys, all that he did, all he suffered, he says, I'm the chiefest of the sinners. Amazing. We have a lot to learn from Paul. Now, the opening of his letter with the usual pattern of salutation and greeting, and this is um, uh, longer than most, um, uh, Romans is the longest of his letters. It goes from verse 1 to 7, but what we want to do is look at the first four verses, the salutation, identifying us three important things. Let me read for us. Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Concerning the Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Three important things he opens up in salutation, and it's just part of the salutation. First, the identity of Paul, verse 1. Secondly, the identity of the gospel. And thirdly, the identity of the Messiah. Those go together. It's like peanut butter, jelly, and bread. They're all together. Notice the identity of Paul. Verse 1, Paul presents himself to the Romans as the author of the letter, Paul. He did not always go by the name of Paul, as you know. He followed the customary pattern here, putting his name first. We usually put it at the end of a letter. This was the pattern of that day. Here, Paul, but that wasn't his original name. His original name was Saul, as you know, after the king of Israel, Saul, the first king. His name means desire, request, or ask, if you remember in our study of Samuel. And um, he came to be called Paul after his conversion, if you remember, but not right away. In Acts 9.4, Jesus said on the road to Damascus, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That was his name. And the first time he's called Paul is in Acts 13 when he confronts, the sorcerer Ilamis, and he has blindness come upon him. And his name, Paul, means small, little, or restrained. And Paul the apostle was stopped dead in his tracks. How indicative of his name. 163 times his name appears in the New Testament. He has written 14 of the epistles. I believe he wrote the book of Hebrews, an incredible instrument of God, at his departure there in Acts 13, there's something else changed also. He became the leader of the, of the missionary journey. It was no longer Barnabas and Saul, but Paul and Barnabas, and it never changed. He took off. Paul the apostle realized the smallness of his life when he came to know Jesus Christ. Before Christ, we think we're the hottest thing on the planet. But when you come to face to face with Jesus Christ, you realize how insignificant you are. And... That you were under the wrath of God, and it makes all the difference in the world. Perspective. First Peter 5 6 says, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he may exalt you in due time. I would rather be exalted by God than humble. <laughs> Notice also Paul presented himself to the Romans by his personal commitment to Jesus, a bond servant of Jesus Christ. He saw himself as a humble servant by this title. The word bondservant, as you know, do laws means a slave by choice for life. This goes back to the Old Testament. Slaves that work off a of debt for six years, the seven they be released. Others were born into slavery, and then others still, after the sixth year, they wouldn't want to be released, so they said, I want to be a bond servant, serve you for life, master. So he would take him to the door of his house, put him by the door there, put his ear next to the door there, and, the, and with an awl and a hammer, make a hole, and he would have an earring. And every time you saw a man with an earring, he was a bond servant of that master. He belonged to him. He served him for life by choice. So next time you see a guy with an earring, say, who's your master? <laughs> Ask him who he belongs to. A bondservant was the possession of his master. Loyalty was a complete attitude toward his master. The duty was to obey absolutely and always. And he was only concerned with one thing the will and the desire of his master. This is what he identifies himself as. Paul had come to the end of himself. And the title is the most common used by Paul, identifying himself with the Old Testament prophets, called the servants. Of God, You find it all through the Old Testament and the New. Those who were called by God, anointed by God, and the messengers of God to represent God in what he revealed to be spoken. Now notice he belonged and served wholeheartedly, but he says only Jesus Christ. Look at the word Christ. It's a title again, Christos. It means the anointed, equivalent to the Hebrew Messiah or Mashiach. Depicting deity, so you have the humanity and deity, and we'll see this again, very important, both of them. He was the God-man, the incarnate Christ. The authority and message of Paul was not his own. It was given to him from the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was the enabler, the illuminator, and the one through the Holy Spirit worked through. Even as now you're born again, it is Christ who works in you through the Spirit of God, through his word. Notice Paul also represented himself to the Romans next by his office. He says, called to be an apostle. The position of Paul was that of office of an apostle of Jesus Christ. Again, it's qualified. The word apostle is made up of two words, apple away and then stello, which means to send, to send away or to go out, to send. And he calls himself an apostle 16 times in his epistles. Over and over again, mostly in the introduction. And there were 70 disciples, remember, that were sent out by twos in Luke 10 and 1. There were also the original 12 after an entire night of prayer. Jesus chose them. One was a devil in Luke 6. And there was then apostles after the resurrection, such as Barnabas, Sylvanus, Timothy, and Paul. Now, Paul is considered by some to be the 12th apostle. They think that the election there in Acts chapter 1 was a mistake, and it's an error. No, it is not. Because in chapter 1, verse 21 and 22 of Acts, we get the qualifier on what it was to be one of the 12 apostles. First of all, you had to be with Jesus from his baptism to the time he ascended up on high, which Paul was not. And then you had to have seen the Lord after the resurrection. Paul saw that, but not the first. Not only that, but Paul never calls himself the apostle, the place Judas, Matthias was picked, and every time after that, if you read closely in Acts, the 12 were present. Matthias was included, okay? In fact, Paul never claimed himself an apostle of the twelve apostle, and that would have come in handy when he was being contested. Romans eleven thirteen 13 says, I'm an apostle of the Gentiles, and really that's what he's really known for, and he represents Gentiles. Not that he didn't go to the Jew, but he was called that. In 1 Corinthians 9, 2, he says, I am not... Uh, an apostle and uh, to others, yet doubtless I am to you, for the seal of my apostleship is you in the Lord. And he's talking to the Corinthians. He had come and established that church. In 1 Corinthians fifteen eight. he says, Last of all, he was seen of me as one born out of due time, like an abortion. He didn't even consider himself that. He calls himself the least of the apostles, not worthy to be called an apostle because he persecuted the church, yet God's grace made him what he was, 1 Corinthians 15, 9. He looked at God and everything. And he says that the signs of an apostle were wrought in him wonders, mighty deeds in 2 Corinthians 12, 12. So he was an inferior, but he didn't say he was the 12. And nothing on am behind the most eminent apostle, though I am nothing in 2 Corinthians 12, 11. And he has ordained a preacher, an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles, as he tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 2, 7. An amazing man. Amazing man. Now... Notice the point of emphasis by Paul is to qualify his apostleship by being called, meaning to be invited. God was the initiator. He had not initiated. God invited him on the road to Damascus as he confronted him, as he was persecuting the church, and he arrested him. The Lord told Ananias in Acts 9, there, 15 through 16, that he was a chosen vessel, that he must show him how many things he must suffer for his name's sake. And Paul did. And he included it in the will of God. An incredible man. He defended the apostleship of the Galatians to them, as he said, that being not of men, neither of men, but of Jesus Christ, because of the heresy that was going on. He rebuked the Galatians for being deceived. He described his call before he was born. In the Galatians again, one fifteen, he says, But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. What an incredible thing. God knows exactly who you are, where you were, what you would be, and if you're going to accept Christ or not. He doesn't force you to go to heaven. He doesn't force you to go to hell. He gives you an opportunity, and you have the choice whether you're going to say yes or no. It all depends on you. He made it humbly clear that he was called not... Due to any value or any worth of his own. He says, not having my own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through faith in Jesus Christ in Philippians three nine. In other words, all his accolades, Pharisee of Pharisee, see, circumcised the eighth day, surpassing all the works of everybody else, he says they're all a pile of manure compared to the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Paul would even include, as I said, His imprisonments as being the will of God. Philippians 1, 12, Colossians 4, 2. Two of the four prison epistles that he wrote. God had to put him in prison so he can write these epistles, the letters. (laughs) In fact, he he tells the Philippians that God is furthering the gospel by being here. Who's sufficient for these things? He says, God is. 2 Corinthians 3, 5. He says, what do you have that you have not received? If you received it, why are you boasting? And that included his own life in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. And he understood this. Now notice Paul represented himself then to the Romans by his fear of life. Separate to the gospel of God. The apostle Paul had been separated. The word separated means to be marked off by boundaries. We get our word horizon from it, literally to set a circle, because the horizon goes all the way around, right? It's a circle. So you're you're set apart, you're sanctified. You're not only set apart from something, but to something. You're separated from sin to God. If you just separate yourself away from something and not to something better, then that's not sufficient. You want to make sure both are happening. Now notice the apostle Paul had been separated to the gospel. The word gospel means good news, good tithings. It's the greatest news in the earth. Good news to lost man. The announcement that sinful man can be reconciled to God by acknowledging our sin, by confessing our sin, and by abandoning our sin by the gospel and the grace through faith. Amazing. Notice the apostle Paul had been separated to the gospel of God. This is the Father. There's a distinction here. The whole trinity is involved in these verses. The good news was not of this world of human origin, but of divine origin. And the good news was to be the circle of influence all the days of your life. As you are born again, then the gospel is to be the one to influence every aspect, area of your life. Either you're saved or you're deceiving yourself. You're growing. But you are set apart so that the gospel influences every area of your life, your marriage, your work ethic, how you think, what you do, where you go, what you do, all of that. The Apostle Paul had been a faithful proclaimer of the gospel, as you know. He preached in Damascus, almost lost his life. He met the apostles of Jerusalem. He preached as he planted churches up in Tarsus as he was there for some years. He had been the groundwork of the Gentile church there in Antioch, teaching for a year with Barnabas. He had represented the Gentiles in the first church council in Acts 15. That it not be an extension of Judaism, but a distinct form of Christianity. And he had been called by God to the mission field, establishing churches throughout Three missionary journeys in Asia Minor and Europe. Incredible. And now he's on his way back with a financial gift for the poor saints of Jerusalem, and he's going to end up in prison for two years. (laughs) And he would count all this as in the will of God. He calls himself the prisoner of Jesus Christ in Ephesians 3.1. He declares to Philippians that God was using that to further the gospel in Philippians 1.12. And to the Corinthians, he says that to some he was an aroma of death, and to others, he was an aroma of life. And then he asks, who is sufficient for these things? Only God, Second Corinthians 2, 16. Sometimes we think we have a bad. Are we reading the New Testament? Are we reading the history of what happened to Paul and these guys? <laughs> Last century, mid-century, A.W. Tozer in his devotional renewed day by day, September 24th, the man was incredible. And he was so ahead of his time. Listen, he speaks almost like a prophet. Quote, I observe with a pain amusement how many water boys of the pulpit in their efforts to be prophets and standing up straight and tall and speaking out boldly in favor of the ideas that have been previously fed into their minds by the psychiatrists, sociologists, novelists, scientists, and secular educators. A new decalogue has been adopted by the Neo Christian of our day. Neo means new Christian. Christ-like. It's neither neo or Christian. He says, thou shall not disagree. Whoa. This is the first of their commands. You shall not disagree. And a new set of beatitudes too, which begins, blessed are they that tolerate everything, for they shall not be made accountable for anything. Welcome to America. Politically correctness. Truth is not tolerated. Isaiah says they call evil good and good evil. That's where we're at. The greatest need of the church and in the church today is for people to understand that they're bondservants of Jesus Christ. His will is to be our will. His purposes are to be our purposes. His plans are to be ours. And His love is to be through our lives completely. Listen to Jesus in John 13, 16. He told His disciples that He being the Lord washed their feet. Therefore, they ought to wash one another's feet. For a servant, doulos, same word, bondservant, is not greater than his Lord. And if my master came and died and washed feet, I can certainly do the same. Hmm. Paul uses the same word in Philippians 2, 7, that he was a bondservant. That's why he divested himself of his glory, never of his deity. Now all Christians are called to be apostles in the sense of being sent out to preach the gospel. The great commission is not a suggestion, it's a command and a commission. And you're going as you go. It's a participle. It's found four times, once in the Gospels, and then one time in the book of Acts. Five times. How many times does God have to say, go fishing? (laughs) And I'm not talking about goldfish either. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The greatest verse in the world. Everybody's born again should memorize that. If you have that, and you were there when you were saved, then you were... You've got all the equipment to tell somebody they can be saved because you experienced it. You know you were lost. You were under God's wrath, and all of a sudden your eyes are open, and you have the invitation, and the person is Jesus Christ. Nobody else can save you. God knew me before I was in my mother's womb, even as Jeremiah, even as Paul. He knew where you were. He knew where you would be. Now, every believer is to be separate to the gospel of God so as to live in it, through it, and by it. It is called the gospel of the kingdom, by the way. If you're a kingdom kid, then the gospel's your manual. Matthew 9, 35. But it's called the gospel of Jesus Christ in Mark 1, 1. It is called the gospel of peace in Romans fifteen 10, 15. And it's called my gospel by Paul in Romans 16, 25. Now, can you say it's my gospel? Only if you live in it, through it, and by it. You understand? If you're a part-time Christian... What's up? My gospel. Though we live in the world, we don't live of the world. We're new creatures. Old things pass away, everything becomes new. 2 Corinthians 5.17. And you were there when God messed your life up. (laughs) And you're a witness to that. Now you have to make a decision whether you're going to walk with him continually or not. This is the greatest failure of pastors in America. Many are not preaching the gospel but rather, are preaching a watered down gospel, corrupted gospel that is no gospel at all. The emergent church is the greatest culprit of this, and seeker friendly is the stepping stone to it. God help us. Misleading and deceiving people, failing to warn and feeding people. Listen to um, Jeremiah. If you remember, we went through Jeremiah, chapter 23, verse 1 and 2. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord Yahweh. Therefore, thus say the Lord Yahweh of, God, of Israel, against the shepherds who feed my people. You have scattered my flock, driven them away, and not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doing, says the Lord Yahweh. Jesus rebuke the Pharisees and the scribes woe to you scribes woe to you Pharisees woe 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 they weren't on horses that means judgment to give an account anybody who stands behind a pulpit anybody who says they're a leader anybody who says that God has called them you better make sure and you better be obedient or you are headed. there's no if or but about it to those much is given much is required here you have the identity of Paul and it is the servant and apostle separated to the gospel of God
0: xavier reese illustrating with the example of paul the bond servant of christ the call on all believers is to serve the gospel of jesus christ and there's much more to come next time but if you'd like to obtain your own copy of this message on cd in the meantime simply ask for the title a servant ambassador of the gospel we have them available for only four dollars upon request This CD will include the complete unedited message as it was originally delivered but didn't have time to include on the air. Once again, the title to ask for is A Servant Ambassador of the Gospel. Or simply mention today's date. Get yours by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485.